Hello, and welcome to the TV Kids Festival. I'm Anna Karugati, the Group Editorial Director of TV Kids, and today I have the great pleasure of speaking with Vince Comiso, the President and CEO of Nine Story Media Group. Vince, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, Anna. Of course. Let's start with the broad question. Um, there's a lot of change in the air. How do you view the current children's television landscape? If we can even use the term television anymore, I'm always yeah. hearing that. Yeah, we, we tend to use the word content, children's content landscape. There is a lot of change happening in the industry in general, and the children's market's no exception. In general, what we're seeing is a belief, and an accurate one, that the current business model as a result of streaming content is not as lucrative as the one that preceded it. So that's caused a bit of a pause in the marketplace, really manifesting itself in two ways. One is a reduction in the commissions of shows ordered, certainly. And then secondly, which we're starting to see uh, emerge more and more, is a reduction of, of uh, budgets, reduction of budget prices. So I think that's going to be the case for the foreseeable future. And the macroeconomic factors certainly don't help that. Big interest rates and um, reduction in consumer spending certainly don't help that. So I think this is all going to have to sort itself out until new perceptions emerge as a result of more efficiencies that both the production companies and uh, streamers and all kinds of distribution platforms uh, play, play out. And I think it's time for companies like us to take a look at how we do everything and reassess and adjust for the way the world is going to move forward, especially in the area of content. That leads right into my next question, which is, despite the challenges, what are the opportunities for a company like Nine Story? Well, I, I always think times like this are good opportunities because you can look internally and say, right, okay, what we strategized uh, before doesn't really apply in the market today. And we probably need to reorient how we do the things we do. And that really means there's an internal there's an internal review of all our processes, which we're undertaking. And I think that's healthy. And it, again, we're no different than any other company in the space taking a look at how they bring things to market and the unit costs of bringing things to market. It's very important. But I think there are also great opportunities available to do things differently with outside groups. We're looking at all kinds of partnerships that we've not looked at before. And I think you know we have willing participants on the other side, which I think two years ago, neither of us would have been willing. So that's opportunistic, that's great. And you know we're gonna continue doing what we've done before with our animation. It's still best in class and it ranges from preschool to six to 11. It's terrific stuff. And we're never ever going to change that because delivering high quality content is important to our customer, which is that audience. Uh, there's expansion in the digital world. Digital is becoming more relevant in terms of how kids consume content today, especially the young ones. So that's an area we're looking to grow in. We've established a live action division in the UK that has a show in production that will be aired soon on CBBC and on a platform in the US that we're excited about. And um, those are opportunities that are available to us probably as a result of us consistently looking at what we do and how we do it, which probably would not have been the case if we were always trying to play catch up to the market demand. So that, that I think is always good. Companies always need that opportunity. And uh, I'm excited about how we're going to move forward as a company, both in terms of the conditions we're in now and when we get past it. And we will get past it. Content will be in great demand always. There's a little bit of a pause now. Once that pause is worked through the system, 
the great demand will emerge again. Yeah, and not to mention that children, <laughs> since the beginning of time, have adored storytelling. So they're, right. not, they're right. always going to want it. <laughs> That's right. And what they've shown us to that point, what they've shown us is they now appreciate storytelling in more formats than what were delivered in the past. So that means we have to look at how we tell our stories to children in a variety of formats, in three minutes, in five minutes, in seven minutes, in 11 minutes, in 22 minutes, which is still relevant today. And what does that do to story structure? So that that as a review of the creative process, probably something we would not have done had we still developed shows, pitched them, and they got greenlit uh, like was happening two years ago in the market. So every challenge has a silver lining, right? Absolutely. <laughs> you mentioned that the streamers um, have been uh, reducing their budgets. How do you see the budgets of broadcasters and, and AVOD platforms? Is, there, are, is everyone being cautious right now? Yes. I think there are two factors at play, both in terms of the budget and the content. First, as I mentioned earlier, budgets are coming down. I think that's healthy. There was money being spent probably that didn't need to be spent. And there was an artificial inflation of budgets for things that probably didn't have the return given the spend. So now we're being forced to be more efficient and every dollar spent has to have value that goes on the screen, which I think is a better outcome again for our clients, which are children. And I also think there's a focus on content that is broad ranging. That, serves mass uh, mass audiences. There was a little bit of a focus on content that, that super served segments of the population, which uh, to the extent where probably didn't do a good enough job of serving other segments adjacent to it or broad audiences. And I think first, when you create a show, you first have to get an audience. Once you do that, you can serve segments of it as necessary given the authentic creative conceit of the show. And I think we're going back to that, which is great. Excellent. So if you could give us some examples, what types of projects are, whether it be broadcasters or SVODs or AVODs, willing to invest in? And I guess this has changed compared to a couple of years ago. You said the budgets are reduced. Budgets are reduced. And what I would say is the change is more towards you know, more, moving us back to where we work with lower budgets and shows that work for mass audiences. But that doesn't mean we can't celebrate um, things that are unique voices or that come from distinct groups. A great example of that is a show we're doing with PBS called Rosie's Rules, which launched on October 4th. It is about a Latin family, a Mexican-American young girl who is the lead and based in the U.S. that's got a massive audience because at the end of the day, it's about family structure and her role in it. And that's something we can all relate to. So it does celebrate the things we have in common, but it also celebrates the Mexican-American culture, which they're not mutually exclusive. There's um, a relatability for everyone involved. And that's that's really more of what I think we'll see. So you mentioned before that uh, Nine Story has branched out into live action series. What yes. drove that decision and how is it being received? What we determined was we have to serve our audience with a broader offering of content. So we had the opportunity in 2019 to bring on board uh, an award-winning development executive named Grania McNamara. 
She was at Disney. She was at King Bird. We've known her for years. There was never an overlap between our desire to invest in that business and her availability. And for the first time, there was. Uh, there was. So we brought her on board. Uh, I mentioned earlier that we were doing a live action show. It's called A Kind of Spark that uh, Grania brought into the company, optioned and brought into the company. And it was... Uh, uh, based on that book uh, of the same name written by a neurodivergent author named L. McNichol. And it's set to launch this spring again with uh, on BBC, uh, on CBBC. And uh, I'm not sure if it was announced with our American partner. So I'm going to be quiet about that um, until there's a, until there's a formal announcement, but it also launches this spring. And we're very excited about that. We're also in production Blues, Clues and You with several new series in development and we just finished a series for Apple called Hello, Jack, The Kindness Show, created by Jack McBriar and, uh, and Angela Santamara, our CCO. So, <clears throat> excuse me, live action is a focus of ours because we think it's a growth opportunity. We think there's um, a movement towards it um, from kids' perspective, especially as they get older. And we made the conscious decision to serve our younger kids with animation and then to uh, bolster that with serving the older kids as they leave animation and move into live action. I also imagine one of the advantages of live action is that it, it the the process from green lighting to getting to screen is shorter than animation, right? For obvious reasons. Yes, it is. And actually that's something we're working on in regards to the animation process because faster to market or faster to screen is has to be an objective of animation companies moving forward. So that when I mentioned earlier that all our processes were under review, that's what I meant. Or that's a subset of what I meant anyway. Right, right. right. So you mentioned a uh, neurodivergent character. Um, in the past year, a Nine Story has made significant strides in increasing its diversity and inclusion initiatives, including, as you said, a, a special focus on neurodivergent and LGBTQ plus yes. characters, casts, and crews. Tell yes. us about the strategy and what have uh, what fruits has it bared? Well, First, I think there was an acknowledgement, an acknowledgement on our end that we didn't know what we didn't know. So it started by bringing on board our chief inclusion officer, Farrell Hall, who's been with us since September of 21 and has made a tremendous difference. Farrell has an extensive background in DEI as well as HR, which is a great combination uh, given the number of people we have and the diversity of our shows. And um, that really educated us in terms of what we have to do versus what we have been doing. Now, we have been, as a children's animator, we always took on board the responsibility of authentically presenting characters from all different walks of life and all different cultural backgrounds. And we did that uh, in a way that we thought was authentic. We realized that Farrell... Farrell helped us realize that we could take that level of authenticity higher, and we have. But yes, we've had several shows where we've delivered content that represents several probably underserved groups that, um, and, that and also issues in society that we think have been delivered to kids in a way that it models positively, but does not take away from the entertainment value of the content, because that's why kids are there. We right. have to keep that in mind. So we dealt with issues like racism, microaggressions, karma's uh, world. We have LGBTQ plus characters like Fred the Bison, who's non-binary, and Chris Knees, Ridley Jones. And to uh, 
follow up on what we talked about earlier. There's neurodiversity. We have a, a new character on Daniel Tiger who is living with autism. Character's name is Max. And in Xavier Riddled, we, we featured Temple Grandin as one of our real life heroes. So we're also, as I mentioned earlier, kind of spark with BBC. It's based on a book with a neurodivergent author, author and several characters in the book, including the lead character is neurodivergent. And it's worked out wonderfully. We finished shooting in October and it's brilliant. Um, and as I think about this, there are really several reasons why this has to be emphasized. First, it's the right thing to do. Secondly, we want our shows to represent the world the kids live in as authentically as we possibly can. Yep. And that means embracing diversity across many dimensions. We had been doing that across several dimensions. Now it's more. And, that's as, and, and I'm sure that will also increase as time moves on because what we've realized is that we never really get anywhere. It's a journey and you continue on that journey. It's one of learning and it's one of representation. It's one of embrace, embrace and inclusion. Was part of the learning process the event uh, Nine Story had with respectability last fall? Can you tell us about that? Yes, so we've been working with respectability for quite a while, and we were thrilled to participate and support their children's content lab for disabled TV creators. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but in October, we hosted at our office in New York a special in-person event as part of this initiative, um, which we were really proud to participate in. That day featured presentations by members of our, of our leadership team, ranging in topics from development, writing, research, and production. There's a speed networking session and an open Q&A. And as I mentioned earlier, it's important that our shows reflect the world that kids live in, which means having representation on and off screen across many dimensions of diversity, including individuals with disabilities, which respectability helped us tremendously with. Absolutely. After all, children, all children have the right to see themselves and their families represented in the stories they watch, right? I mean, they, we, we have to start eliminating the other aspect of our society. Yes, yes. The, the, you know, there's been a sense that, you know, you have to adjust storytelling or you um, have to change how you do things from an entertainment value standpoint. And we vehemently disagree from that. We see stories come from all corners of the world. And all we're really doing is just bringing into the storytelling process more corners. And there, that does not impair the quality of the story. In fact, you'll find some great unique stories as a result of that. And we feel that way about a kind of spark. That story could not be told without a neurodivergent lead. And the story's fantastic. I can't wait till it launches in the spring. So I mentioned AVOD and uh, fast channels is, is a term that is being used a whole yes. lot lately. Um, are, are, is AVOD and is fast <clears throat> extending nine stories reach? Yes, yes. And what's great about AVOD, it's given new life to some fantastic older properties that we have in our library, like Barney. We have all the Barney content, Garfield, Angelina Ballerina. So that's that's a good outcome because there are, you know, there are, these brands live on and we often see parents who used to love these shows as kids go on to introduce them to their own children. So that's fantastic. There's great legacy properties that now have new outlets and new ways to access children. On the fast channels part, we're just starting to, um, 
to expand our reach on those. We used to view these channels as competitive or potentially cannibalistic to other platforms and channels, but we now believe that the best strategy is more is more since audiences are consuming content in such different ways. And the fact of the matter is because there are so many platform opportunities, audience are fragmented. So whenever we can, audiences, pardon me, are fragmented. So whenever we can access them with great content, we take that opportunity. The fast channels give us a significant opportunity to do just that. And given the fragmentation, um, what is what are some of the best strategies to build a brand in today's market? Well, as I said earlier, it's getting eyeballs on the content. And that's a continuous challenge. You know, we we started this business when there were really three platforms in the U.S. And now the number of platforms is four, perhaps five digits in terms of where kids go to consume content. So there's a sea of content across these platforms. So when we talk about bringing content to market, there's no, there's no one size fits all approach. You have to lean into what makes each brand unique and then create a strategy around presenting that brand to the targeted audience that works for that brand. You have to be willing to invest in that brand to ensure its discoverability. And this includes all the basic tenets of marketing from publicity to paid spend, from a digital strategy and on the ground events. As the brand owner, all of the marketing tactics can no longer be left to the broadcast partner because many of the platforms that, that deliver and distribute the content no longer create opportunities for promotion in linear spaces. So we have to, one of the things I say often to our people is now as a consumer, as a producer, pardon me, more of the PA weight is on us. So we have to figure out how to do it as efficiently as we can and as uh, consistent with the brand as we can. So we may use certain tenants in all of it, but the tone of each will have to be tailored to the brand. Right. And YouTube is a key to that uh, and should be part of any smart discoverability strategy. Excellent. Uh, I don't want to ignore um, Nine Stories consumer products business. What can you tell us about that? Well, it's growing. Um, when we launched Karma, we had Mattel, Scholastic, and 50 plus licensees as partners. And we had a terrific partner, Chris Bridges, on the production side, and Chris helped us promote it tremendously. We had a launch at FAO Schwartz in August. Uh, that Chris attended and FAO Shorts turned it into a two-day event for us. It was fantastic. We've had so many learnings from that that you're going to see applied to very many of our shows across the board. But it's also a time because, you know, we talked about there's so much change in the content and kids industry. It's also a time to think outside the box. Where are there opportunities where there haven't traditionally been opportunities with traditional licensees or trying to fill up categories that have existed for a long time. And our team is really, really uh, focusing on that and, and doing some great work. So as you look out 12 to 24 months, um, what, what do you see? For, what's the future like for Nine Story? I see it primarily as a time to ex be open to new ideas and to explore ways of doing things and things with partners that we've never done before. We're always going to be a business that's relevant in the kids space. And that's really a function of the quality of people we have around us. And uh, we're fortunate. I think we have really, really great people uh, as part of our, the nine story team, but we're fortunate to have them on board. And they're always, always aware of the challenges and how to move forward. Right now, our challenge is 
acknowledging, first and foremost, that everything's different and will be different from this point on. And what can we do to compete successfully given those, those uh, coming changes? And um, I'm confident we're going to do great and that we're going to do some things we've never done before. And that's exciting. Absolutely. And, and would you agree that as long as you have great creative roots, you find the way to get the show done and you find the way to reach your audience? Yes. And I also think, yes, and we have a great creative team here that's in New York, in Dublin and in Toronto. But I also think we're at a time where we're being very open to creative inputs from the market that come from places that 10 years ago would not have been viable places to create or to uh, get acquire creative, great creative inputs, pardon me. And that's exciting because, you know, we know for sure those voices are, are voices that kids hear and we have to partner with them to bring them into the fold and try to elevate the voices to the maximum extent possible. Excellent. What a great note to end this conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much, Vince, for your time. I really Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you, Anna. I appreciate Thank you. It. Be well. And thank all of you for watching. Thank you.